Amen. So we are actually, this is our final uh, in this series that we've been in since the first of the year, talking about getting closer to God. How many of you know that's always a good thing? The verse we've been going over uh, this whole month, has, or last month, come close to God and God will do what? Come close to us. So what's important about that, and we've been talking about how, how to draw in closer to Him but do you realize that, that it's not just that? The reality is when we draw closer together as his body, do you realize that puts us closer to him? And, and so it's kind of a two-way. You're like, wait a minute. Uh, I don't see that in there, but I'm going to show you in the Scripture how important this really is. You realize that the Scripture says that uh, compares us as the body of Christ. We're not the individuals of Christ. We are connected. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says this, the human body has many parts, but, uh, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. All of us are different parts. All of us are individuals, but together we make up the body of Christ. That is so important. Listen, the, the word body itself, the Greek word soma, it does mean human body, but it also means the church, those believers in Christ. And I love this part. It implies unity as well as functionality. Like, I don't know if you've ever been a part of a church or a body of Christ that was dysfunctional, right? Don't raise your hand if that was you. Uh, sometimes that happens. And it's like there's nothing more uncomfortable than being in something that is dysfunctional. Like, some of you might have grown up in a dysfunctional family, and you're like, oh, yeah, that wasn't good at all. Uh, you don't want to be in a church that way. That's not what God called us to be. We are supposed to be in unity, and, and I'm not going to expound on that, but that doesn't mean uniformity. There's different expressions of your personality and who you are, and that's what we're called, and then we become functioning. Listen, when your human body is not functioning well, how many of you realize there's a problem? All right, Houston, we've got a problem. Uh, some of you, most of you probably have heard of an autoimmune disease uh, they, they come in different uh, forms in your body. And uh, let me give you a lesson here. You probably already know it, but a healthy immune system defends the body against disease and infection. True. But check this out. If the immune system malfunctions, it mistakenly attacks healthy cell tissues and organs. These attacks can affect any part of the body, weakening bodily functions and even turning life-threatening. Can I just say this, because I really felt like the Lord. Sometimes as a body of Christ, we have an uh, autoimmune disease. Amen? Well, that's awfully quiet. We have healthy members attacking other members only to call. I know, does that really happen? No, oh, it shouldn't happen, but it does. We, we become a little bit, I think we get uh, mistakenly, we malfunction. Listen, if you are a believer in Christ and you're attacking somebody else that is a believer in Christ, you are malfunctioning. It's time to push restart on your computer, right? That's not, that shouldn't be, but it does happen. So how do we guard against that? How do we keep that from happening? Well, back to verse 12, verse 25 says, this makes for harmony, talking about the body of Christ, amongst the members so that all the members do what? Care for each other. That's what we're called to do. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer as well. And if one part is honored, all of the parts are glad, right? We shouldn't be like, oh man, I can't believe that they got that blessing. Lord, why didn't I get that? How many of you know there's a problem? 
There should be a red light going on in your life. If you start getting envious of other people's blessings or other people being honored. So that, that's when you know that something is wrong. So he goes on to say in verse 27, all of you together are Christ's body and each of you are part of it. And I don't care if the enemy wants to tell you you are insignificant, oh, that you don't really matter. That's an absolute lie from the pit of hell. I want to tell you, you are important. If you've accepted Christ, you are important and part of the body of Christ. So he goes on to say in Ephesians chapter 4, tells about the gifts Christ gave the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. But check out, their responsibility is equip God's people to do his work and to build up what? The church, right? I'm not called to build up my church. Sometimes people will be like, oh, you know, I'm going to go to your church, you know, as though this is mine. This is not mine. This belongs to Christ. It's about him. And all of us together are to build up his church. And you know what that means is that building each one of us up, providing opportunities that we would grow in Christ. So how do we do that? We've got to be united. Uh, we've got to have unity. And, and list what? We've got to be connected. You're not going to be healthy if you are disconnected. A healthy church body, I believe, has two biblical ways to accomplish that. I want to read a little bit out of Ecclesiastes chapter 4. It says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. Do you realize we are here not just to make ourselves succeed? A lot of times, you know, again, the American is like, well, I want to succeed. I want to succeed. I'm trying to do this for me. But that's not really what we're called to do. We help other people succeed. And I believe that when you help other people succeed, God comes in and helps you succeed. Right? I know that's so countercultural right now because it's like, look out for number one. Look out for me. No, if I can give my life to serving him, helping other people do well, then listen what? God's got my back. I don't have to push my agenda. I don't have to tell everybody how amazing I am. So uh, it says if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. You know, my, my heart breaks when I know that there are people that love God and they're not. There's no connection. There's nobody around them. They're going to fall and they're in real trouble. He goes, likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm I said this to the first service. That's married people, okay, so don't get any ideas. But how can one be warm alone? Uh, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back, conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. You realize, as, though times in our world are getting a little bit crazy, aren't they? Things are becoming a little bit more anti christ which I believe biblically is setting up a time that the Antichrist will reign. The Antichrist can't come when everybody is for Christ. So that should tell you as a body, as the church, we should be drawing closer together, not further apart. Here's the reality. We were never meant to live life alone. You realize that? God didn't create us that way. And I believe that we were never meant to live the Christian life alone either. Like, oh, yeah, I got this. Just me and God. I don't need the people. I mean, let's be honest. Sometimes Jesus is easy. People are difficult. Am I right? All right. If you're the difficult one, raise your hand. Okay. Let's <laughs> see. Some of you guys are honest, right? But there, that's a good thing in one aspect because we challenge each other. 
We push each other. We strive each other. It's like, oh man, I don't know about that person. Listen, there are certain people God puts in your life that helps you learn to love more. Right? If everybody is easy to love, then guess what? Your love's not really growing. It's those, it's those ones that are a little bit challenging. Like I said, the, I saw some of you raise your hand. Those are you. You're helping us to love more. So we should, we should grow in that. Listen, Jesus didn't do ministry alone. He, what did he do? The first thing he did was gather 12 men around him and like, hey, listen, guys, we're going to do this together. I'm not, Jesus could have done it. Listen, he's, he's God. He didn't need anybody else. He didn't need the disciples, but he chose to demonstrate, I need other people. So here's the fact. If you, we will learn and purpose to connect with other believers, the natural result in your life is that you're going to grow in Christ. It's going to happen without you even trying to because you're doing what the scripture says. And I honestly believe this, that sometimes we stunt our own growth because we don't have any other connections in our life. We hinder that. So, so here's the thing. If we want to grow, you need both rows and circles. And uh, I think the picture kind of de- uh, demonstrates what that is, because uh, right now we're all in rows, right? Everybody's in their own row right there. We gather in row. That's what we do on a regular time every Sunday. But if our definition of church is only coming into a room sitting in rows, can I tell you, we're missing a huge part of what God has called us to do. Because if that's it, we're, we're missing something. We all know about rows. We, like I said, we go to church, we're doing it. But a circle is where I'm sitting, and I'm not just looking at the back of somebody's head. We're looking at each other face-to-face, talking, and actually being real with one another. It's a place where you can start to let your guard down just a little bit. And, uh, and here's the problem. Sometimes we look at it, this and we're like, oh, you know what, I do this, but you know what, the circle is optional. That's just for those people that like all that, you know, hanging out with other people. I mean, I, I could say if you're an introvert, raise your hand, but because you're an introvert, you're not going to raise your hand, <laughs> all right? So that, I mean, that makes sense, right? So don't even raise your hand on that. But the reality that there are people like, oh, that's those extroverted people that like to go do that stuff. No, not me. I just want to hide where I am. And uh, you know what? You're lucky to get me in a row. Forget the circle thing. That's for other people. But, but can I just say we were made to need both rows and circles. We need both of them. If we're going to grow, rows are great for worship. We can do that. Baptism time, preaching, what we're doing right now. And I believe that, that that's a good thing. That's not going away. But, but what happens in rows is very limited, isn't it? Like how well do you really know the person sitting in front of you? Right? Like, hey, listen, nice haircut. You know what? I can tell you got something done there, right? Or, you know, thank God you finally got a better uh, dandruff shampoo. I can tell it's working. <laughs> I don't, what do you, don't raise your hand over there. Uh, so, so we don't really know each other that well. Rones, here's the thing. Rows were not uh, designed for relationship, were they? Because it's very brief. Hi, how you doing? Nice outfit. Haven't seen you anything. We can hide in rows. That's the thing. And especially, you know, the bigger, bigger the church is, the easier it is to hide. Isn't that true? I mean, I, I, it, it happens in a small church as well. You can hide there. You can look good. You can put on your church face when you come. Hey, everybody. You can hold hands with your wife as you're walking in. Uh, and nobody has to have any idea that you argued all the way there. 
Nobody has any idea of what you're, what's going on in the inside because all I got to do is keep a face for just a, you know, an hour, hour and a half or so. So it's easy to hide there. But the reality is we have to understand I need to connect with other people on a deeper level. I need to. If I'm going to grow in Christ, it's not just about, oh, I make sure I get into God's Word, make sure I spend time in prayer. Yes, those are important, but I believe that God created us for each other. and we have, That's where all of the one another's of Scripture are fulfilled. Build each other up, encourage one another, challenge, spur one another. Anybody like that idea? Sometimes we get a little complacent. We need a little spurring. That's what happens in the circles. And so let me finish. My question for you, who is in your circle? Because a circle is a place where you're known. We got to get known, don't we? Even if you don't want anyone to know you, no, I don't want anyone to know me. It's important for you to be known and it's important for you to know other people. And again, it's hard. It's hard whenever you're just in a big group. You need a small group to do that. Uh, uh, your circle is where you're missed because it's easy to fall through the crack. Sometimes you, oh, they fall through the crack. If you don't see them, it's just so easy for that to happen. I don't think any church has ever intentionally allowed someone to fall through the crack, but let's just say if you're only in rows, the cracks are there. It's so easy for that to happen, but it's also a place where you're prayed for. And yes, we do pray for people here. We're going to have a time later. But let me tell you, in a small group, it's so much more intimate, and you can be a little bit more real with that. So uh, with that, I'm going to have uh, Christina, who heads up, has taken just recently the leadership of our life groups, life group coordinator. And, uh, and I'm excited about where it's going. So can we give her a hand as she uh, comes up? All right. Well, I'm honored to be a part of this church and the life groups and um, very thankful that we're really working on trying to build those out in, in, in our church here because that's where we're going to grow deeper with each other, right? I mean, we, we need to grow deeper with God, but we also really want to grow deeper with each other. So one of the things that I wanted to kind of look at today was just um, in Acts. If we think about kind of the way that the early church was constructed, um, there was no big buildings. There was no corporate worship. They met in people's homes. And so what I wanted us to do was just to kind of um, look at some things in Acts and talk about why I feel like those translate to our large groups. So we're going to go to Acts 2, 42 through 47. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miracles and signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who are being saved. So one of the things that I felt like is important is in our life groups, we have the ability to encourage each other. We have the ability to learn together and to pray for each other. So I feel like some of what I'm going to say might be a repeat, which is really cool because I feel like God, what God put on my heart was confirming what was on the pastor's heart also. But we need to have the opportunity to be able to encourage each other. So if we go to Acts 242, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, 
to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So they were praying for each other. Then if we go to Acts 14, 21 through 22, it says, they preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. Then if we look at Acts 18, 23, we're going to be kind of keeping an Acts, but moving around maybe just a minute. After spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia. <laughs> I was struggling with that word earlier. Strengthening all the disciples. Then if we look at Acts 20, 1 through 2. When the uproar had ended, Paul sent for the disciples. He called for them. And after encouraging them, he said goodbye and set out for Macedonia. He traveled throughout the area, speaking many words of encouragement to the people. So what I'm seeing here as a common thread is that he's spending time with people. He's praying for people. He's encouraging people. He's strengthening people. But he's doing so because he has that relationship where he's with the people. He's calling people to him. Um, so, like Pastor mentioned, right, it's real easy for us to come in on a Sunday, say hello to somebody, say you look nice today, great to see you, and then leave. Then we come back the next Sunday and wash, rinse, repeat, right? You look great today. It's good to see you. Nice to see you. All right. Then we leave, and then we come back, right? But in, in those scenarios, we might know little bits about people, but we don't really know those people. Not only do we not know those people, but those people don't know us, and I feel like God has made us not only to, to know others, but to be known by others so that we have an opportunity to build, opportunity to build community. Um, one of the other things that we miss out on, this church is really great about praying. I've been in, in churches where um, you don't get much time to pray. But if you had a need, like, is somebody going to know you well enough to, to be able to just look at your face and be like, I see there's something going on with you. I feel like you need some prayer. Or is there an opportunity for you to come up and say, there's something going on with me. I need prayer. Um, so in, in that small group, in that circle setting, you have that opportunity where you can share because you're building a deeper level of connection with those people. You're building trust. You're building intimacy where you can say, hey, I've got a need. I need some prayer. So while we certainly do those things on Sunday, it's, it's much more a part of common conversation when you're sitting in those circles to, to really be like, hey, how's life going for you today? What can I do for you? Um, is there a need that you have that we can talk through and pray for? Um, so then if we go to Acts 2.45, um, it says that they were selling their possessions and goods and gave to anyone as he had need. So I'm not saying go sell your stuff. Don't sell your house. Don't sell your car. We're not going to you know, start the Bank of Freedom Church so that we can just give as everybody has need. But I think the concept there is if we think about it, the Christian family was supporting each other out of their abundance, right? And so if you have a need, how many of us are going to walk in on a Sunday and just share that need and say, hey, I've got a need. I'm struggling. I'm struggling to make rent. I'm struggling to make my car payment. I'm struggling to put groceries on the table for this week. We're not going to say that. I mean, especially us introverts. We're not going to say a word, right? So in that small setting where you have that connection, you have the opportunity to share more deeply the things that, are, that, are, that you're struggling with or where you might have need. And maybe that need is just, hey, I need a car ride to a doctor's appointment. Can somebody help me out with that, right? So um, the, the Axe Church, they spent a lot of time supporting each other, building each other up. 
Um, and I, to me, that feels like a great picture of family, right? So what do families do? Families take care of each other. Families love each other. Families break bread with each other. Um, so the next thing I wanted to just talk through is um, Acts 2.46. It says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They ate together. How intimate is it to just sit around the table and have a meal with somebody, right? I, I think that's a wonderful opportunity just for conversation, you know, going a little bit deeper. So life groups are designed intentionally to be a smaller group of people that are building a closer connection with each other. So what better time to do this than sharing a meal? I mean, how many times do we go to a friend's house and we're like, hey, we're going to have dinner together. We're going to go get coffee. And in those conversations, we learn a lot about each other. And we have the ability to be um, more intimately connected. Um, but one of the biggest reasons why I feel like small groups are important for us is that we have certain commands in the Bible. So if we look at Matthew 22, 37 through 39, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he repeats it in John 15, 12 and 13, 12 through 13. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friend. So it, it's hard to show love for each other when we're just in rows. It's much easier to show love for each other when we're in those circle connections, looking at each other face to face. Um, and then the last thing is, um, if I tie back to what Pastor said, we need each other. We really do need each other. We are the body, right? God says, we are the church. We are the body. And the body is made up of all different parts, right? I mean, the heart is important. The lungs are important. The head and the brain are important. But you know what? The fingers are important. The toes are important. The spleen is important. There's all these, all the parts of the body are equally as important. And if there was any part of the body that was missing, it would not be functioning properly. In small groups, one of the things that I love about them is the diversity that we have, right? You're going to have young, old, male, female, mature in the faith, young in the faith. We all come from different walks of life. We all have different experiences. And I think it's important to lean on each other to say, what are you thinking about this passage? What are you getting out of this? What is God speaking to you? And maybe what God is saying to somebody, uh, maybe what the Holy Spirit has given to them would be like, aha, I haven't heard it that way before, or I haven't really thought of it that way before. Or maybe in the place that I'm in today, I can hear it and receive it differently than maybe I'd heard it and received it years ago. So I think it's really important to feed off of each other and our experiences because we all have value to bring to the table. Um, and there's nobody that's more valuable than somebody else. But we're needed. We need that connection together. So bottom line is we need each other. Um, so what I'd like to do is to invite um, Doris and Josh up to just, well, maybe Josh in a moment, <laughs> to just share um, maybe some of their experiences that they've had with life groups. So, hey, Doris. All right. I just got prayer because my body's a little dysfunctional <laughs> today. I can't really talk, but I hope you can hear me. Um, Christina asked me to share about our small group. 
And I just want to tell you, it's amazing. We come together, we just share some food. It doesn't always have to be a meal. Sometimes everybody just brings a little something. We sit around, and we just kind of get to know each other, know what's been happening throughout the week. So we're kind of starting shallow, shallow, but then we're going deeper because then we're looking at the questions that Pastor printed next to his sermon notes. I don't know about you guys, but after church, maybe you're like, this was really deep. I want to talk with somebody about that. But then you have lunch, football, whatever. You get distracted, right? And it's kind of hard to then say to some, let's sit down and talk about that, right? But when you go to life group, that's what we do, right? After we shared a meal, we go over the questions. And it's, we're all in a really safe place. It just gives us an opportunity to be honest and sometimes confess our shortcomings. But you don't have to, right? Whatever. You just you listen to other people and you, you can pray for them. So it's really... It, it's just a very safe place. Um, and, and then at the end, we pray for each other. And again, that's really, really important because you have that one-on-one -on -one prayer. So I totally recommend, no matter who you are, whether you're married, single, widowed, whatever, just come and share the Lord with others. Thank you. Then we're going to have Josh talk a little bit and little plug for the young adults also. Yeah. So our life group is very similar. We also share a meal. It's for, uh, more targeted towards, I guess, youngish adults. Several of us are in our early 30s, but, <laughs> um, and with kids. So, <laughs> and that's always, that's a little bit of chaos. <laughs> but, um, yes, it's, it's, you know, it's really, like I said, it was like pretty much very similar to um, uh, probably all the life groups are very, uh, you know, offer a lot, like what Doris was just sharing. You know, we try to have a meal, get to know each other, and go over. Um, we, hit, you know, hit some questions and kind of go off a little bit, but um, I think you get some really good en uh, engaging discussion and really just get to know each other and see uh, an, a side of each other that goes beyond just your kind of surface level Sunday morning um, greeting. <laughs> so. And the young adults have done some fun activities too, so. A little bit harder to do with twins. <laughs> so what I wanted to do was to share a little bit of my testimony, um, like how, maybe how I've gotten to a place where I'm comfortable with large groups, because I can tell you that that my upbringing and kind of the where I've come from in my, in my history, I was not comfortable with small groups. I wasn't comfortable with people. In fact, I would have probably told you once upon a time that I didn't like people. I didn't need people. People were not for me, <laughs> right? Um, so I grew up in a Christian home, but it was a very dysfunctional and abusive. Um, my mom would actually drop us off at friends' houses or church events, and she would always tell us, don't give away family secrets. I don't know what the family secrets were we weren't supposed to give away, but we weren't supposed to give away family secrets. So my family has a history of um, alcoholism and abuse and addiction. Uh, my grandfather and my three aunts were alcoholics. My two cousins were alcoholics and drug users. Uh, my father's family was very di disconnected. We spent very little time with them. In fact, if I was to 
see them somewhere out and about, I wouldn't even know who they were. I wouldn't be able to say, oh, that's my uncle. Those are my cousins. I wouldn't even know. We were just totally disconnected from my father's side of the family. So we spent the majority of our time with my mother's side of the family. And while my mom and dad, I feel like, took steps away from the abusive cycles and the addiction cycles in our family, they still carried a lot of their brokenness forward into our family with them. Um, because I don't think back then, it, you didn't really talk about recovery and healing and therapy. You just kind of walked forward with what you had. And if you were missing a couple of tools in your tool belt, that was what you had, right? Um, so as a result of that, our home that I grew up in was very void of love, was void of tenderness. Um, there was no room for healthy conversation. There was no room for emotions because somebody else in the house had a much bigger emotion than you had, and so you just learned at a very early age to be seen and not heard because your emotions were not valid. And in fact, if you had them, you probably got in trouble for them. So I learned to just shut them off. And one of the things that God has shown me over the years is that in shutting off emotions to not suffer from negative emotions, you're also shutting off emotions so that you can't feel the positive ones, right? There's, there's no like on and off valve for the positive and the negative. You just shut it off and they're all off, right? Um, so um, as a young kid, what I would do is I would just spend as much time outdoors. I wanted to, nothing to do with my house. Everything I wanted to do was outside. I just wanted to be out. And I was alone. I was always alone. I did everything alone, even in my early 20s. The majority of life that I did, I did alone. Um, I was active in a youth group finally when I got into high school and junior high, um, and God fortunately at that point started introducing people into my life who started to bring little, little bits of healing to me, and um, there was a, a couple of people that I, I'm going to use the word, remothered me, right, where, where when you don't have that mother heart, you have people who you get connected to that just start to pour into you that will kind of remother you, um, this Bible here is from my youth leader when I was in high school that uh, she gave me this Bible and gave me this beautiful inscription that she just said she's always going to be praying for me and this is a treasure. It helps me to remember that, you know, my walk, my journey was not alone, right? Um, but because of the lack of connection with my family, I moved out at the age of 18. I had my own apartment. I was taking care of myself. I had a good job. I got myself a car. Um, but I was still very alone. So I lost both of my dad's side grandparents by the time that I was nine. His sister passed away from cancer in my 30s. On my mom's side, all of my immediate family had some type of an issue with um, addiction or drugs. My grandfather was a very heavy alcoholic and that was how my mother was raised. And so there was just crazy making, I could tell you stories. Um, but he ended up committing suicide when I was 21. Then one of my aunts died of an accidental, I'm pretty sure it was an accidental overdose. Um, but unfortunately, both of her sons followed along in her footsteps. And um, one of her sons about a year later also passed away from an accidental drug overdose. And then about two years after that, my other cousin um, committed suicide, who was also an alcoholic. So my family, you know, not only was I not connected to my family, but my family was just shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. And I just found myself continuously alone. Um, my family was unreliable, and there was just too much crazy and hurt to let my emotions be impacted by it. So that just reinforced this need to not have people 
or emotions in my life because neither one of those were good for me. It wasn't until I really got involved in a church in the Bay Area where I got to be a part of the worship team that God really started to show me my need for people and started to kind of reawaken this desire inside of me that I needed people, I wanted people, and not only did I want to know people, I wanted to have friends, but I wanted to be known by people. Um, So I was introduced to the Holy Spirit there, and I really began this crazy journey to healing, and I got to tell you, I'm still healing, right? Um, I feel like healing is like peeling away the layers of an onion. So sometimes God peels away big layers, and sometimes he peels away little layers, and I don't know that he's gotten to the heart of it all. I feel like I feel like even this last couple of years, God has really been working on me. And even just last week, I shared that I feel like God just gave me a Holy Spirit moment where he opened up my heart to feel like I can actually start to feel his love, um, where I was blocked from that even, right? So if, if you don't allow people to love you and you don't have a trust of people, sometimes, unfortunately, that translates to how we relate to God. Because it's, it's hard for us to relate to him any differently than we relate to just people in the natural. There's so much more to my story <laughs> that I could probably share. Um, but I want to make a long story short. I'm very excited that we found Freedom Church as our local family. One of the things that God has shared with me and shown me over the years is that while my natural family might not be connected and might not have been a safe place, I have encountered so many people in my past that have become my family. So we get to choose our family, right? Sometimes we have to build healthy boundaries around our lives to keep people who aren't so safe out, but it doesn't mean that we can't allow safe people to come in. I met one of my best friends at my Bay Area church, and she and I have been friends for about 25 years. She's the best confidant. She's the best accountability partner. Um, And we always joke with each other that we could never not be friends because we know way too much about each other's lives and we'd be dangerous to each other. But she's somebody who's a prayer warrior. She'll pray with me. And had I not been in a place where God was like, you need her and she needs you, I wouldn't have that relationship with her. So we get the opportunity and we have the blessing of community that we can build family with. So our heart is that Everyone here would have that opportunity and would take that opportunity to build a deeper connection. What we don't ever want to hear is that somebody walked through the doors and left and felt like, I didn't connect with anybody. I never found my people. I never found my tribe. I never found anybody that I felt like I could connect with. That would, that would not be our heart. That would make us very sad. Um, and while we're not, you know, this is not a thou shalt join a small group because, you know, we don't want you to feel pressured into this. Our heart is that this family, this community here would really desire and give God an opportunity to open up your heart to going a little bit deeper. So we're going to be kicking off life groups today. We're kicking off life groups. So one of the things that we're doing in the back is we've got tables set up for all of the life groups that are in the area. Right now we've got five. Um, but we've got life groups in Pollock, we've got life groups in Placerville, we have a life group in Rescue, we have one in El Dorado Hills, we have one here at the church, we've got them in the evening, we've got them during the day. Um, so there's really no reason why we couldn't get people connected. And quite honestly, if we had so many people that wanted to join a life group that we were busting at the seams, then that's an opportunity for us to have more, right? Um, 
But what we're looking to do is we don't want you all to feel like, ah, oh, this isn't, you know, I've never done a life group. I'm not too comfortable with this. We don't want you to feel like if you join, you're stuck there forever. That's not the case. <laughs> you can join, and if you find that, you know, maybe the time or the day doesn't work really well for you, there are others that you could try. So what we're asking is for you all to, to maybe think about committing. Commit to three months. Join a life group and see how it goes. How does God touch you in those moments where you get to open up a little bit more and you get to have deeper connection? So what we're going to be doing is running them from February till June. Then we'll take a break during the summer months because we know a lot of people are busy and we've got vacations. Then we'll pick them back up around the time that school is in session and then we'll go until winter. And then we'll take a break during the holidays when, again, people get really crazy and things get really busy. Um, but our, our, our heart is just that you all would know that there's a place for you to connect, that there's a place for you to feel like you can go be known and know others, get that deeper level of connection, find a place where you can grow in the Lord, where you can grow with each other, where you can find that encouragement, where you can get that strength that you need because so, you have a, a people that you can rely on, um, and that um, you just have an opportunity to grow your family a little bit more. So I'm just going to use this microphone instead of going back to the other, but, you know, what a powerful testimony. And it's like really to break out of, her, uh, as you're saying, that isolation, you have to do it. And, and uh, some of you guys may not realize it, even believe it, but my wife is an introvert too. And it's like, are you kidding me? She seems so outgoing, but it, she she makes herself do that. So uh, even when you don't want to, and sometimes going to a small group, you're like, oh, I don't really want to do this. I'd rather just stay home and, you know, do my thing. But it's like when you know something is good for you, you do it anyway. Like like getting up on the treadmill and running. It's like, oh, I don't really want to do it. But it's like you do you do the things that, that make you better anyway because it is healthy. And I just want to challenge, uh, just go on the challenge. She said, try it for, for just this springtime. And uh, they only meet twice a month, so it's not like every week I got to do this. Uh, do it and, and allow yourself to be, you don't have to get there and share everything. But I want to tell you, you start developing relationships it is so powerful in your life, and uh, that's my challenge. But uh, we did want to end with some time of prayer. So, uh, you know, a lot of times we have everybody come up uh, to the front and, and pray, but we're not going to do that today. So the Scripture talks about praying one for another. So if I can have everybody stand, and you're, if you say, you know what, I just need prayer, you don't have to tell anybody what your prayer need is unless you want to. But if there's something going on in your life and you say, you know what, I just need somebody to agree with me in prayer, I'm just going to encourage you just to raise your hand where you're at. And if you see somebody sitting to your left or right or front and back and, and that is there, can we kind of mosey over? There's a couple of people with hands up over here. Anybody else? You need somebody to, uh, you just need some people to agree with you in prayer about something. Maybe you're going through, maybe there's a health situation, maybe whatever it is. Uh, this is just a powerful time, and we're going to do this. We're just going to take a couple of minutes, then I'm going to close this in prayer, and all of our life group leaders will be back there by the tables. Please go over and uh, step out in faith. 
sign up to one of the groups, and uh, I guarantee you won't regret it. So we're just going to take a moment while prayer is happening. Thank you, Lord.